the App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. So welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Paul Kemp, and I've got a great guest lined up for me today. I've got Vidal Grupera, and he is currently in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now, he's great. He's a real authoritative figure in this uh, space because he's the co-author of Pro Smartphone Cross-Platform Development, and he's a director of engineering at Walmart Labs, and uh, he is actually, you know, he's one of America's leading designers and developers of mobile software application. He's been in the industry for a long time. He says in, in his own words, before app development become cool. So we've got a great uh, discussion lined up and I'm really thoroughly looking forward to having a chat with you, Videl. So thanks for joining the podcast. You know, it was just a quick introduction to you, but perhaps you could just take a minute and talk about yourself and, and what you do and, and the projects that you've been working on. Sure. Uh, thanks, Paul. I'm really uh, honored to be on your podcast. I really, I really like the show and I like the premise of it a lot. So, um, you know, I just, I love to create apps. And like I say, I started creating apps before it was cool. So I started way back in the day of the Newton message pad. A lot of your listeners probably don't even remember what that is. You'll have to look it up. But it was uh, one of the very first, um, was a PDA, it was really before smartphones, a personal digital assistant that Apple came out with in 1993. So that's when I really started uh, mobile uh, development. And I've done that for a long time, um, on and off, but um, I'm really, uh, I really enjoy it. I think it's, uh, it's great, it's exciting, and it's so interesting now. It's, of course, all the rage. I'm going to get nostalgic here because I do remember those PDAs. I was um, walking around with one of those in 1999. I think it was one, a version from Microsoft. So tell us about those early days then. What was that like developing software for those devices? I mean, how did you get interested in it? In fact, how did you get involved in the first place in development work? You know, how did you know that's what you wanted to do? Um, it's a good question. So you know, I was always looking for opportunities to create apps and things, you know, and a friend of mine told me he'd gone to um, Macworld and Apple had talked about this thing called the Newton. And I thought, well, how interesting. You know, you could have a computer with you that you could carry around to kind of augment your brain. You know, it was like a tool you could use, the Newton. Um, you know, it was a small computer you could carry. And it had interesting features and it had handwriting recognition, which sounded very cool at the time, which, of course, no one is into today. But at the time was very interesting. So, um you know, I waited in line, you know, to get one when they first came out. You know, I bought one, then I bought, you know, a Mac because you had to develop on a Mac to do it. I bought the tools, you know, you had to buy those. And I launched, you know, probably one of the first 10 or 12 applications that came out uh, for the Newton. Um, I had one of them and uh, I just was really excited about about being able to create these like small apps that people could carry around. And again, this was back in, you know, 19... 93 so way before it was cool i guess what well, as we think about back then was that something you were doing independently or was it working for a corporation or company so you know i was working for 
another company at the time. He was a software engineer at a uh, company that was owned by Novell. And I was working this, working on this, uh, you know, nights and weekends. And I would, you know, I would stay up to like 3 a.m., you know, working on this stuff because I was just fascinated with, you know, probably like a lot of listeners. I think a lot of listeners of your podcast are, you know, indie developers or people who are looking to get into, uh, into the field. So, you know, I'm working on this thing, you know, every moment of the day that I can. And, uh, you know, I'm really tired at work. And my boss, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's going on? You know, you're so tired, you know, because, you know, I'm up till 3 a.m. every night, you know, hacking on the, the Newton. So uh, I eventually just quit my job and I, um, I, I quit and then I just started working on it full time, which was so exciting. You know, at first, because I'm like, gee, I, now I can work on this all day. You know, like, wow, <laughs> I have so much more time to work on it. So, uh, so I, let's I, try and let's try and focus on that because that you know, the people listening to this are in that same position where perhaps they're working during the day and they have something that they're passionate about, whether it's iPhone development or Android development, and they're kind of worrying, I, I guess, whether to make that jump, that leap. Can you remember and talk us through how you were feeling at the time and and what ultimately held you back from doing that? And, and, and then what, why did you make that decision? You know, tell us about how you're feeling and the story behind there, if you can remember. Yeah, so again, I was really, really passionate uh, about it. And I just couldn't really do both anymore. I mean, it was, it, was, it was hurting my work performance. Again, I was staying up so late, working on this stuff. That's all I would think about. So... Um, you know, I was a lot younger back then. And um, so I was like, okay, fine. I can't do both. So I'm just going to do this. And, you know, I didn't really realize, I didn't know all that went into, you know, having your own company and trying to make a living, you know, as a, you know, as an independent developer. I mean, I went on to start a company that had made, you know, early smartphone apps. Um, but gee, there's, there's just a lot there, there's a lot to, to learn. And honestly, I burned through a ton of money I had because it took a lot longer to, uh, you know, reach, you know, any kind of significant revenues or, or profitability. Uh, but, you know, that didn't, that didn't really enter into my mind until after I'd kind of already quit. And, you know, once you've burned, you know, several, you know, months of, uh, of savings and then you're like, oh, man, you know, my sales aren't that great. <laughs> then you know this kind of strikes you. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's going to inspire some people listening because that making that first jump, I was in the same boat where, you know, I had a very safe job and, uh, you know, a salary and, and it's just so difficult to kind of get into the mindset of making that jump and you have to, you know, do something to to actually push yourself. And I, th I think you're right in terms of the, the passion behind what you actually do is, is ultimately what drives you. Because you, as you say, you can't do both things and you, know, you can't live on no sleep for t t too long. So do you remember what it was like marketing yourself as an indie developer and, or setting up your company? Perhaps you could talk around you know, that, that side of getting clients and, and, and building your business. Yeah, so again, this was kind of like early, early days of, of the internet and stuff. So... Um, Believe it or not, I mean, some of the things you would do is you would run magazine ads. You know, I remember buying like small ads and stuff like that. You would go to shows, uh, go to a lot of trade shows. We'd go to industry events. We'd, um, you know, email people even that, you know, uh, just any way to get to get the word out. Um, that That's kind of what we would do. And it wasn't until later 
that things like um, you know app stores and things like that started to become available. You know, I do th- I do think we're kind of a bit spoiled now with the global distribution of you know Apple. Um, I guess when you go back to those days you're talking about, there was not the same uh, global platform and the app store. Was, oh, actually, we had stuff in retail too. So, oh my gosh, that was another amazing thing. So, I mean, we would actually package the software in boxes and put it in stores like CompUSA and stuff like that, which, I mean, those, a lot of those stores don't exist anymore. Yeah, of course, I, I could, you completely forget, you know, life before downloads and the fact that you had to get, um, you know, the thing on CD or, and you, you know, the magazines you used to buy with the software that was uh, demonstrated on the front of the, the magazine, usually on in the form of a CD. Right, they'd have a CD with stuff. Yeah, so get on those CDs, like that would be the thing to do back then. It's crazy. You've had a very long career in mobile app development, you know, from the very earliest start, and you you are now developing some really top apps for a fantastic company. It's good to hear sometimes before we hear the success of the the, the stuff that you've done. Were there any challenges or times when you felt that you were failing? People do want to hear the the failures as well as the successes. Can you remember a time when you? really struggled and challenged with, with a project or a client or any particular time in your career? Oh, there's been a lot, you know. I mean, to conclude that early, well, not to conclude that early story, but, um, you know, that initial product that I came out with uh, for the Newton really was not successful um, for the most part. It was just too small a market. So, um, so then what I had to do is I had to kind of pivot and I had to, you know, to find another a product that had a bigger market. And so what I just learned from that was just talking to customers. You know, I remember standing at trade shows and I would, I would talk to people about the product I had and they were all like, you know, okay, that sounds nice, but that's not really what I, I need. So I'd say, well, what do you need? You know, what are you looking for? And so just in speaking with customers and trying to understand their needs, you know, I came up with my second product which, uh, you know, became, you know, more, more successful. And this was a, this was a contact manager ended up writing for the Newton message pad, which, uh, you know, even Apple distributed for a little while. So it was, um, that, that really got us on the road. So I would just say talking to customers, uh, you know, getting out of the building. I mean, these are classic things you hear in the lean startup. Uh, it's very important. Yeah, no, I think anyone listening would I'd have to reiterate that I've heard this many times in the past when chatting to guests on the show that actually talking to customers and feeling their pain points and trying to kind of drill into that and developing products you know based on that as opposed to doing it the other way where you fell in love with a particular maybe a language or something that was was perhaps you felt that was in but really was difficult to sell so that's a that's great advice I think that you're giving to the audience here what about telling us about a time when you worked on a really successful project, something in your recent career that you're probably the most proudest of? Well, I mean, I've worked on a lot of things. I mean, um, I mean, it's different nowadays because I work as part of bigger teams. So I can't really take, you know, credit for, uh, for all these projects. You know, I just, you know, I work in larger companies and it's a very collaborative effort. Um, you know, things that I, that I did more earlier in my career were more like my, you know, more like my own, you know, um, you know, I have, um, you know, a couple of my own apps I've had in the app store, which I like, you know, that, I, that I have, you know, some passion around. I, um, the products at my initial company, that company, I ran it for like 11 or 12 years. We had a lot of different apps there and, uh, I was very proud of some of the stuff we did there. You know, we moved, obviously the Newton failed. So then we went on to the Palm platform and we had a lot of success with that platform. 
Um, then I went on to building websites. And so I built a lot of websites. I don't know. There's just been a lot of... Um, What's been your favorite language along that journey? So I really love the Ruby language. So um, so I did mobile app development, you know, in those early days. And then was it, I don't know, maybe in 2005 or so, I switched to become like a web developer. Because my idea was, I was writing all these native apps, okay? And then I was like, gee, you know, that's just a lot of work. If I could just write a web app, a mobile web app, then this could run everywhere. So, um, so I decided to learn web development for the purpose of doing mobile web. But of course, back then, mobile web was horrible. I was like way too early and the browsers just were pathetic. So then I just kind of moved into web development for a couple of years. And in doing web development, I picked up Ruby on Rails. And uh, Ruby is just an amazing language. Uh, I mean, its motto is it's the developer's best friend. And what language has this as a goal, you know, to, to help the developer make their life easier? Um, plus, the Ruby developer community is just um, amazing. So I really like the Ruby language. And so I've been using that a lot in my projects. I've also picked up using now a Ruby Motion. I don't know if any of your readers have um, tried this. It's a way to write native uh, iPhone apps in Ruby. So I've been using that as well. Right. Does that run on an IDE? It, it, it doesn't require any IDE. So um, it's totally like command line driven. Uh, you can use, uh, there is an IDE, like a third party IDE you can use uh, from JetBrain called RubyMine that supports it, but it's absolutely not required. So this is just a command line environment basically where um, you can build fully native apps in Ruby so I've actually used Ruby a couple times for mobile development. So um, when we're talking about the book, which I which I wrote, gosh, it was like 2010 or something, 11, something like that. I was working for a company called Romobile, so a startup that was uh, bringing basically uh, they were building a whole system, a cross-platform system for mobile apps, but on the device they were using the Ruby language. So they actually put a Ruby interpreter uh, and runtime on the device, um, which for me was very interesting because at that time, you know, I was a Ruby developer. I also had background in mobile. So I thought, okay, this is very interesting. So I worked there for about a year or so. Out of that came the book. And now recently I've been looking at Ruby Motion, um, which I think is just a great tool. Yeah, because what would you say some of the challenges are and some of the benefits of cross-platform development? I mean, I've done some work with Titanium Studio, which is a JavaScript cross-platform. I guess people are trying to think of getting into app development, whether they should go native and, and Objective-C and Xcode. Uh, for iPhone or whether to use one of these cross-platform languages. What, what would you say to those people thinking about um, that decision? Well, I, I think it depends on um, a, a lot of it. De well, depends on the context or your goals. So I think these these tools are really good if you have, for example, maybe you have an enterprise application. A lot of them are really great for that because they're cross-platform and in lots of enterprises you, you have these cross-platform needs, okay? If the tool you're using, like say Titanium or the Romobile tool I worked with or any of these other tools, if that language is one that you already have skills with, then that's, then that's, that's going to leverage the language you already know. Um, but if it's not a language that you know, 
then you're kind of like, well, now I have to learn this or Objective-C or this or Java. So if it's because the goal of a lot of these tools is to help, say, make web developers into mobile developers or make someone who's, you know, not an Objective-C expert, you know, into an iPhone developer. But it kind of pre-assumes you kind of, you know, are a good JavaScript developer and you love JavaScript, or you're a good Ruby developer and you love Ruby. If you don't, then you're kind of starting at square one in each case. And nowadays, there's just a lot of resources for, you know, learning Objective-C or learning, you know, um, Java Android development, which I don't think existed so much before. There's lots of great classes and videos and, and things you can do. So, um, you know, there's there's that. And then finally, I think it also depends on, you know, what I would tell clients. So I did, I did consulting for a while um, as well in mobile development. Once I left my company, I, I consulted with people doing apps. And for me, it'd be like, you know, do you, do you want to win, like in your mind, like an Apple design award? I mean, there's certain customers I found who, you know, they're used to using, you know, these apps, you know, I don't know, Facebook app, you know, Twitter app, you know, you know, pick whatever your favorite mobile app is, you know, on the iPhone. And, and, you know, one of the things that's, that's really um, changed over the years is, you know, the bar that this kind of UI UX bar has really been raised a lot. And so you really have to have a nice interface and you have these nice animations and, and colors and fonts and typography and, you know, all this like high touch beautifulness, right? And if you really think you need to compete in that, and a lot of people, you know, they use these apps all the time, like, no, my app has to have this amazing UI, just like what you see in ever, you know, top 10 app store app is. That's, that's more going to be more challenging using one of these frameworks, right? I mean, if you really need to have, you know, all the latest features, all the latest shininess, then I think you have to, you know, go native in that case. And and that's what some people want. It's interesting you mentioned that. I was speaking with uh, Greg Vodika a, f- a few weeks ago, and he's talking about millennials. And he was saying that, you know, building apps now, you are competing in a highly competitive market where you do get these awesome apps. And people are looking, and users and millennials especially, are looking for apps that are absolutely fundamentally uh, useful. So I I guess that's a a really interesting one. You know, people deciding, uh, listening to this, deciding on a language, how important is it to get the language right first off? And and how easy is it to switch? Because you made a switch, you pivoted, as you explained, you know, several times during your career. How easy is it as a developer to to make a switch, you know, during your career? It takes time, you know, I mean, it it, it takes you know, months or years, I think they pick up velocity. I mean, I think it's easy to, you know, I mean, you can pick up a book, right? You can, um, you know, read some blog posts or something and, and learn the basic syntax of some language, but to really, you know, get it, you know, I think, I think it definitely takes, um, I mean, it took me a couple years to really convert from being a mobile developer to say a, um, a web developer, you know, and now I think I have very good web development skills, but I mean, that took a while because there's just a huge amount of things you have to learn. I mean, there's, there's not just the languages, you know, like, 
you know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, Ruby, or, you know, whatever you want to do, but just kind of just the patterns, the best practices of using it. And the same thing with, I, with uh, you know, iOS development, right? I mean, you can learn Objective-C, but then you also have to learn, you know, what are the best practices, you know, what, you know, you have to learn, um, you know, all the, you know, UI kit and look at a lot of uh, examples. I mean, one thing I find useful is just to find, like, good open source projects and just see how people you know, develop these things? How do they architect the apps? How do they structure them? How do they do things? I, I guess, yeah, from your history, it's like you've seen a lot of these uh, mobile phones, uh, or, yeah, um, smartphones or PDAs come and go. So, so I guess you were probably a little bit uh, skeptical of like, you know, the, the, the impact that it was going to have on the world, uh, the, the first iPhone. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise, you know? Um, I mean, it's a great device. I mean, I use it all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, back then, I mean, every device that would come out, everyone would say, oh, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one that's going to, you know, blow it out. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like interesting going back to that part of um, history, you know, and just recalling all those previous versions to then what ultimately then changed the world, which was the iPhone. When did you start getting involved in the iPhone? Um, you know, I think it would be, you know, maybe a year or so before, you know, I wrote the book. So, you know, I got into this uh, cross-platform development. I started, you know, using these kind of cross-platform tools. And then, of course, if you were, um, you know, if you're writing these cross-platform tools, you know, being curious, of course, you want to know what is the, the native experience, right? And people would always contrast the native experience with, the, the these cross-platform tools, you know, the phone gap experience, the, you know, whatever. So I just started looking into it and saying, okay, well, you know, how, you know, how bad is this? And, you know, and, and how do you, how do you do it? So um, that's how I kind of got into it. So it's, I mean, you know, four or five years ago, something like that. At the time of writing the book, you were consulting and, and doing your own thing as well, as well as perhaps working for a corporate. Uh, what um, gave you the leverage, do you think, to be a leader in the industry, do you feel that you, people do actually need to write a book? What kind of gave you the, the platform to actually then go out and, and really sell yourself as a uh, the leading engineer and, and, and an app developer that you are now? I don't think you need to write a book um, to do that. I mean, the book itself, um, you know, hasn't gotten me like a ton of gigs or anything like that. So um, I, I think I think it's interesting to write a book. I'd like to write some more, but I, I wouldn't, you know, tell your, you know, I wouldn't advise listeners to, you know, write a book thinking that they're going to, um, that that's going to, you know, solve it for them. Um, you know, I, a lot of it, uh, you know, it's just like knowing people, talking to people. Uh, you know, when I was doing consulting, you know, a lot of it is just kind of word of mouth and, and people know you and they know your reputation and what you've done. So um, I think that's very, very important. Um, you know, I think early on you mentioned about the forums and how the community as well. Have you got any advice to developers out there who perhaps need to get better known? Yes, I think it's very important. Like if you're a you know a, a developer like looking for a job, so you know we interview people all the time. Um, you know, and we always look at people's you know GitHub accounts. We always look at. Um, Thing, you know, what are they you know, doing on Stack Overflow or what are they tweeting about and things like that. So I think as a developer, if you're looking, you know, to, I mean, that, that's where people look at your reputation, right? So, you know, what open source projects you contribute to, what, you know, 
what are you commenting about? What are you doing? So I think I think that's very important if um, if you kind of want to build your reputation these days. Right. Great advice. That's GitHub, um, Stack Overflow, two great resources, and I'll include those in the show notes um, so that people can actually refer to these uh, afterwards. I mean, they should be pretty well known to most most people listening to this. This is really interesting stuff, and I was just thinking, um, as an app developer, what's really most exciting you right now? What kind of current projects have you got on that you can talk about that are most exciting you? So, you know, something I'm really interested in... um, Recently is things like the, well, the Pebble smartwatch, okay? So I'm starting to play with that. I have the Pebble smartwatch, and I really like it. And for me, a little bit, it's a little bit like a, 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 I, I was doing some, some hacking with the Pebble watch, um, uh, you know, yesterday. And I'm like, gosh, this is like a throwback to the old days because <laughs> – it's a tiny screen, you know, it's monochrome. You program it in the C language, you know, which, I mean, when's the last time, you know, I used that, you know? Uh, so, um, but it's like super cool and it's kind of a new um, field, you know? I mean, every, there's all this hype about, you know, wearables and all that. I mean, I'm here in Silicon Valley, so, you know, everyone's like fascinated with these things. But, um, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. So, I mean, I definitely would like to do something with, uh, you know, some kind of watch app. I think that um, is something to explore, um, you know, this year, 2014. You know, I would encourage listeners to to, to look at that. I'm definitely going to look at it more. I think it's kind of cool. I like it. So how would you go about, first of all, uh, finding out how to get involved in writing for Pebble? I mean, you said it's a C language um, where would you go? Where would you suggest people, people go if they're interested in looking at the Pebble? Uh, you know, you just go to, you know, I think it's, I think it's called getpebble.com, right? I mean, this is a, um, uh, there's a whole company, a Pebble, that, um, uh, you know, has these watches. You can buy them. They're inexpensive. They're only $150. So, you know, compare with, a, compare with buying a smartphone, it's a lot cheaper, right? So you can, um, you know, you can buy one and, you know, you can, the SDK is free, and you can just, you know, start hacking on it. Because this is one of the most successful Kickstarters of all time, and clearly uh, it was um, something that perhaps is going to shake up the industry. I've seen uh, the Samsung Gear, and I don't think that's... I haven't seen the Pebble, but I've heard the reviews, and I, I think the Pebble is a lot better. I think Samsung must have rushed to get get their watch out. But, so I'm outside the US. I know that um, some of the audience listening to this are outside the US as well. Perhaps we don't have access to Pebble or, or it's not as easy to get. What's what, what's the big thing for you um, with the Pebble? Because uh, I've heard, you know, a mixed bag. Some people put it to one side and, and ignore it after a week and others really love it. What what do you love about it? Oh, it's just, it's 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 very convenient. So, it's like an extra screen, you know, onto your onto your phone. So, I mean, one analogy I make is so, you know, you had your computer, right? Or your laptop, right? And now you had your your smartphone, you're like, "Oh, well, this is like an extra screen, right? It's a small screen and carried around. I've got it with me." Um, so what a, what a, what a convenience, right? But this is, this is like the next lever because like I have my, um, my phone in my pocket sometimes, right? Probably like a lot of people, I have my phone in my pocket a lot of times, or I'm in a meeting and I'll put my phone down on the table. You know, I'm not going to be looking at my phone during a meeting, but so for example, one thing I really like about the Pebble, this is just like, this is not even an app, this is a feature, right? Is, you know, my phone rings, you know, and on my watch, I can see who's calling me. I don't have to take my phone out of my pocket. I can see, okay, oh, that's who that is, right? I get a text message. Oh, I see. 
oh, I can do that, right? That's really good. Yeah. So the the actual watch vibrates when and and displays a little message of who's actually trying to call you. Correct. And you can and and you know apps can send uh, stuff to the Pebble. The Pebble has buttons, and you can send events back the other way. So uh, you know, think about it. It's like okay, now I can you know. Um, it's like an extra, an accessory to that, right? So we're just getting, um, you know, I don't know. It's like another step in that in that direction. Now, I think it's really interesting. And people are, you know, the wearable seems to be the, the, the in thing when you listen to all the tech shows. They're all talking about wearables. And, you know, they're saying that the watch is probably the one thing, the one device that seems the most obvious, you know, compared to uh, glasses or, or some of the other things that are coming out. And so it was just to try and gain some idea from someone that's worn it, you know, what, what kind of could could be useful. Who knows? I'm sure that um, there could be a whole host of apps that are developed for it and we've, we just don't see it just yet, just like the iPhone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, yeah, we're, we're just trying to figure it out. It's early. So that's another thing that's exciting about it. You know, it's kind of early. So it's kind of a green field. I mean, that's kind of exciting projects to work on as opposed to lots of things that have already been done. So. Mm, well, I'm not sure about the C language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's what makes it kind of frontier-like, right? It's like it's not so cozy. <laughs> yeah, you're out there in your in the frontier. Uh, so before we end, I mean, it's um, we're kind of running out of time here, and it's been so interesting. I wanted to make sure I get some more questions in, so perhaps we can go through to some sort of quick fire round where I just throw out a couple of quick questions, and uh, you come back and uh, let me know your thoughts on them. Uh, so, what would you say your best advice is that you've received as an app developer, or just in life in general? I mean, I think you really have to just you know enjoy what you do a lot. Uh, and I think I think being an app developer or just an engineer in general is just a great profession. So, I mean, I just love the technology. I love what I do. I think I mean that's what drives me to to to, to build these things and spend the time on it and you know stay up late at night working on things. You know, um, I just, I just love it. What personal habits do you have that you think contribute to your success? Ah, well, I think, I think it's important. So yeah, I have a bunch of things I try to do. So I try to make progress on things um, every day, even if it's just like a small step. So like, say there's a project I'm working on. So it's like a, you know, personal project or whatever I'm trying to do. Like just do something every day. So there's, I think the the general concept is kind of a Seinfeld calendar, but, um, but there are many, um, apps you can get for it. There's a couple that I have on my iPhone that I use. But basically just make sure that every day you do something and just try to keep don't break the chain, you know, don't break the streak of doing of doing something. And then um I also just, you know, try to get up, you know, get up or stay up late. You know, you just you gotta you gotta really it part of it just goes to your motivation, but you just have to really um I have to, you know, always try to motivate myself, just, you know, just do it, do it. Because otherwise, you know, it's easy just, you know, if you just lay in bed, you know, the code's not going to write itself, obviously. So, <laughs> get up. <laughs> Don't sleep. <laughs> uh, 
do you have an internet resource we could tap into that you're just in love with at the moment? I mean, I like a lot of the resources that a lot of uh, developers use. I mean, I like, you know, GitHub a lot. I think that's quite amazing. Uh, you know, Stack Overflow, you know, we've mentioned that too. I mean, it's a very useful site. And I tell you, the, probably a better question would be, uh, you've mentioned that you've got an iPhone. Is that right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So what's your favorite apps? What's on your home screen? Oh, gosh. You know, I have hundreds of apps. I mean, I'm like an app junkie. Probably like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> A total app junkie. Let's see what I have today that I, you know, stuff that I use with any frequency that's not a native app. There's, uh, first I use my different banking apps. I use, I use this app Commit, which uh, is for keeping, uh, you know, daily, you know, progress on stuff. Obviously, Evernote, I use that a lot. Facebook, I use a lot. Flickster, check out movies. Google Plus, that's quite interesting. Uh, Google Hangouts I use, uh, obviously Google Maps. I'm just going through the list and anything pops out. I have an app that I wrote myself, which I like a lot, Contact Hero, but that's just a plug. Uh, something I like. <laughs> Is that just a vanity app? <laughs> it's the app I wrote. To, um, yeah, let's see. You know, I, I just a proud moment. I went in to say goodnight to my boy, and um, he, he's playing with his iPad, or in fact, my iPad, and he's laughing his away, and he's playing on one of my apps. And it's quite proud when you know you see someone else uh, using your app. Oh, totally, totally, yeah. I mean, it's great when someone tells you, "Yeah, I use your app." I mean, that's like amazing. You get you know emails. Oh, this app saved me. It's 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 just great. I have a tuss a ton here. I use, I mean, uh, Kick. I use the Kindle app, uh, LinkedIn app. And none of these are probably that. Uh, there's Pebble apps. Yeah, you have to have that if you're a Pebble developer. For uh, podcasts, I listen to I podcasts a lot. So, uh, are you using the native podcast app to listen I to them? I use it. Yes, I use a native app, and um, it's yeah. I I listen to podcasts quite a bit. You know, so I like that. Which podcast are you listening to? I'll tell you which ones I like right now. Uh, so I like The App Guy. <laughs> I like uh, This Week, this Just, week in that, that wasn't, uh, <laughs> I'm not paying you to say that. <laughs> no, no. no I, yeah, so I'm just reading you what I have. So this is this is from my real um, uh, list here. So I have The App Guy. I have This Week in Startups, which I find very uh, interesting. So, um the foundation, so foundation is a, and uh, entrepreneurial thought leaders from Stanford. So these three, this week in service foundation, entrepreneurial thought leaders, I find very inspiring because they have um, basically interviews with, uh, you know, some very successful entrepreneurs. So it's always a good source of um, ideas and inspiration. Um, a podcast from NPR, which I like, and then one uh, from my church. So that's pretty much what I listen to and um, keeps me busy. It's now getting to the end of the podcast. Um, is there anything you feel that we've missed in this chat that you wanted to share with the audience? No, I just think I think it's um, there's just a lot of opportunity, you know, still. I think we're still in the early days of it. It's exciting, um, you know, things are changing. So, um, you know, just keep going. You know, keep and, Make- and how best can people reach out to you, Vidal? Sure. I mean, you could send me inquiries on uh, on Twitter, LinkedIn, on my personal website. Maybe you could link some of these in the show notes. I'm happy to uh, chat with people about anything. Uh, you know, I like talking to people. So, uh, 
just leaves me to say I really appreciate your time, your openness. It's been thought-provoking and certainly you've had an interesting journey, you know, from someone who was doing mobile app development for the Newton that was in 1993. Uh, I think that's, I've not had any guest that's kind of mentioned that. So you, you've got a, a trophy for that one. And then to kind of continue in this journey you know all these years and still sound so passionate it's like my hat's off to you for being so inspirational as a guest and i would love to have you on at any other time you, you kind of want to come back and join us we've thoroughly enjoyed it vidal thank you very much thank you paul thank you for listening to this podcast stay tuned for the next episode if you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone then please send an email to info at onemob.com the app guy podcast goes out every sunday and thursdays Thank you.